Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I am on a mission to teach people how to transform their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you're in a relationship, you're single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breaths, and minds. I have now coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's a special episode because, I don't know, I I guess it's special because I've taken some time to reflect on some of the lessons that I have learned about love and relationship as a result of working with people for 20 years and also as a result of my own life, my personal life, and the lives of the people who I love and who I'm closest with. And I have a lot of lessons, but today I'm going to share just five. So these are in no particular order. And they will help you regardless of what your relationship status is. The first one that I'm going to speak to is conflict. What I have learned and what I know to be true, which I think that many of us know intellectually, but don't really quite understand it because we have been sold a lie that a healthy relationship is a relationship without conflict. And that is, like I said, a lie. Conflict is a part of long-term relationship. If you are going to get married to someone or be in any kind of committed relationship with them that's comparable to marriage, conflict and hardship is going to be a part of your experience together because If you're with someone for many years, you're going to go through different seasons, different stages. There's going to be bumps in the road. And there's going to be times where you are both going to have to look very deep within and overcome some personal, psychological, and emotional barriers that you have to love and intimacy to be able to show up for the relationship. There's going to be moments and how many I do not know because every couple's journey is unique. But there's definitely, if you're going to be with someone long enough, there's definitely going to be times where you're going to have to choose love if you want it to work. You're going to have to choose the relationship You're going to have to make the conscious choice to repair whatever is not working. And this could be literally in a small thing. It could be a large thing. 
but there's going to be moments and phases of disharmony. And yes, a healthy relationship in many ways can be defined by having more harmony than there is disharmony, right? A relationship that has more disharmony than it does harmony is a relationship that's in trouble. But generally speaking, if there is more happy moments than there are unhappy moments, you're doing a good job. But that does not mean that the unhappy moments are not going to occur. But I want also to be able to distinguish something. There is a difference between hardship and suffering. And I believe that when we're suffering in our relationship, that's when things are really in trouble. And that's when people need to consider perhaps splitting up or walking away from the relationship. But if we get into relationships thinking that there should not be conflict, then we are setting ourselves up for failure. Because the moment there's conflict, we start to doubt ourselves, we start to doubt the relationship, we start to doubt the other. And I will say that one of the habits of very strong couples is when there is conflict, they accept that the conflict is there and they are both willing to deal with the conflict. So what is the difference between suffering and hardship? First of all, suffering comes from abuse. That's one thing that needs to be said right off the bat. If there's any physical or emotional or verbal violence, and I'm not saying in the heat in the moment, you know, call each other a name, which I don't condone, but that could be a moment where you both were being really terrible to each other. But if there is consistent use of foul language towards each other, if there's any sort of violence, you're going to suffer. Suffering comes from needing to change who you are in order to be in the relationship. And that's not necessarily the fault of the other. It just might mean that something needs to change inside of you. Something needs to change in the relationship. It could mean that you chose the wrong person. Suffering comes when we consistently deal with disrespect, coldness, lies, cheating. You know, the people who suffer the most in their relationships feel completely alone and disconnected from their partner. Like I said, there's a lot of coldness. There's the absence of warm gestures. There's lying. There could be cheating. There's repeated disrespect of each other's bodies and boundaries and lives. That's where there's real suffering. That should not be present in a relationship. That's not to say that with couples therapy that things can be overcome. I don't know. That's very much a case-by-case basis. But I want to be very clear that suffering is not the same thing as hardship. Hardship is uncomfortable. Hardship puts a big fat mirror in front of our faces where we have to look within and take responsibility and see how our egos are impacting the relationship. 
Hardship means that we have to make some adjustments, that we may have to make some sacrifices for the good of the relationship. Hardship might mean that there's going to have to be some difficult conversations. Hardship could mean that you're having a hard time seeing eye to eye in a couple of things. Not the same thing as suffering. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. I definitely have subscriptions that I have been paying for that I don't use. Like literally, like I want to watch a show. And so I'll just get a free trial somewhere. And then next thing you know, you're paying for it. And the thing is, so many people have subscriptions that they are not actually using, that they completely forgot about it. And that's a problem. So are subscriptions draining your wallet? Because listen to this, the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions, and they might not even remember subscribing to half of those. It's wild. Rocket Money is this amazing app that keeps track of all your expenses so you know where your money is going. This actually blew my mind when I found out, because did you know that over 80% of people (laughs) have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Like I said, how many free trials have you subscribed to that you've probably never canceled? And that's really why I love Rocket Money. There's subscriptions literally for everything these days, from streaming services to fitness programs. And sometimes it really can feel impossible to keep tabs on what you're paying for every month. That's why I'm a really big fan of Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash on love. That's rocketmoney.com slash on love. Again, rocketmoney.com slash on love. Number two, I learned that the spark that we refer to when we meet someone is completely overrated. Here's the truth. There's all these theories and hypotheses about chemistry and how we have chemistry with people who remind us of someone like our parent. And I've even spoken to this, but there's actually no real research on this and data on this to prove it. And as I was talking to one of my mentors today, she said, the person who can really figure out what chemistry is and why two people have chemistry will win the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) And she's right. Because chemistry, we can have all these hypotheses and it's not that they're necessarily wrong, but it's still a giant mystery. Think about it. I mean, I know for me, I have had chemistry with lots of different people who I normally wouldn't necessarily considered to be quote unquote my type. I've had chemistry with people who I didn't necessarily even find that attractive. You know, it's just, it's so mysterious and it's based on a conglomerate of influences, smell being a very big part of it, conditioning being a very big part of it, our hormonal state when we meet that person being a big part of it, our emotional state being a big part of it, our ages. There's so much context and it is a phenomenological 
absolute mystery. And what we want, what the goal is when it comes to chemistry, is that we want to be able to have chemistry with those who will love us. (laughs) We run into a lot of problems when we number one, think that because we have chemistry with someone, that means that we should be in a relationship with them. And then number two, because of that, we just put all our stock in chemistry and then we don't take the time to get to know someone's character. And then when we realize that the person doesn't have great character or they're completely just wrong for us, we just ignore it. And part of growing up and maturing is to realize that, yes, we need the spark in order to get us in the door. The spark is what helps us fall in love. But falling in love and building a relationship based on love are two completely different things. Falling in love and staying in love are not the same. And we are modeled more frequently the former. We're modeled what it is to fall in love, but we're not really modeled what it is to grow in love and to stay in love and to have enduring love. The thing is, it's like in the beginning, that spark, it's like we don't have to do much to fall in love. But keeping that spark alive, we have to do through action, thought, and behavior. So we can't keep that spark alive if we allow ourselves to get seduced by these stories that we have about our partner where we're losing sight of what it is that we love about them and we're just focusing on everything that that annoys us, right? We lose the spark when we don't appreciate the mystery of this person that's in front of us or sleeping next to us. We lose the spark when we no longer appreciate how much value they add to our lives, how much we actually depend on them actually, you know, and we lose the spark when we don't take action, when we don't take care of ourselves, take care of the relationship, make sure that we are not completely divorced from having any fun or adventure or doing new things, novelty, We have to create that sort of novelty. And so many people are like, oh, I have to work so hard to keep the spark alive. Why can't it just be like the movies? Well, you know, it just can't. And, you know, one could easily just jump. And this is why people jump from relationship to relationship once the honeymoon is over, because they haven't learned yet that the honeymoon is just one phase of a relationship And it's not as rewarding in many ways. What's rewarding is building a relationship based on love and having that level of friendship and companionship with someone. So chemistry is a big mystery. You don't really want to spend too much time trying to figure it out. But you also don't want to put so much stock in it and you want to have chemistry with those who will love you. And the only way you can do that is to prioritize a person's character and to love people, to fall in love with how people treat you, how people treat your children if you have children, how people treat others. 
And that's part of really growing up. Jillian on Love is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have definitely gone through times in my life that have been very difficult where racing thoughts were keeping me up at night and I was waking up with anxiety or not sleeping well. And these difficult things, they need to be addressed because they really get in the way of being able to enjoy life. I mean, have you ever experienced racing thoughts going to bed? Have you ever woken up with anxiety because you're dealing with really big decisions? Maybe you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're going through a breakup. Maybe you're going through a hard time in a relationship. And this is the time when therapy is just incredibly helpful. It gives you a place to really process so that you can stop spiraling and find some mental and emotional peace and space, honestly. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. First of all, it's 100% online. It is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which is amazing. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash on love today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash on love. Number three, I titled this change and growth. Look, people change and grow in different ways. Some people grow by consistently learning new hobbies and learning new things and putting themselves in in new situations where they can learn from interesting people and they try new things and they're very open-minded. They have a curiosity about them and that's what makes them grow. And then some people change because they're actively trying to change some behavior, doing some harder work on themselves. We cannot force someone to grow or change. I mean, if you are in a relationship with someone and they have some behavior or some emotional patterns that you feel are really harming them and harming your relationship with them, you have every right to say, you know, you have to get help because I can no longer be in a relationship where this is continuing to happen I mean, there is a time and a place for an ultimatum like that when things are very serious. But this idea that like, let's shelve that serious thing aside for a moment, this idea that someone has to, you know, in order for them to grow, they have to be in therapy and they have to do all these things that you're doing. I have to call BS on that. It's just absolutely not necessarily true. So I really encourage people to ask themselves if you're in this position and you're wanting your partner to change, ask yourself, why does this person need to change? And unless it's an answer like they need to change because what they're doing is harming our love, what they're doing is harming themselves, like it's harmful that I understand. And I think that's a reason. But if it's like, well, they need to change because, you know, I want them to change or grow faster, or they need to be on my level. I mean, 
maybe that's true, but that's when we have to kind of check our egos a little bit. Like, can you appreciate the growth that they're having when it doesn't look exactly like your blueprint of what growth is supposed to be? Can you allow for their path to unfold? And then another more common pattern is we get threatened by our partner's change. We don't want them to change because changing means the dynamic is going to change. Changing means the status quo of the relationship is going to change. And to that, that really requires a lot of conversation of what that means what that change is going to mean. It's about leading with vulnerability. You can say, I'm afraid that you doing this means that I'm not going to be, I don't know, as important to you anymore. You know, you might need a third party help just helping you navigate that change. But I will say the couples that I have worked with and have known personally who I've admired the most are the ones who really, their motto is live and let live as long as they remain loving and committed to each other, they really leave space for autonomy and the autonomy of growth and change, meaning everyone has their own path. Number four, what I have discovered to be the magic, like the secret sauce of a relationship is two things, accountability and forgiveness. We have to be responsible and accountable for our experience in a relationship. And let's shelve domestic abuse right now, because I know that that's a very real thing, but I'm not speaking to that. We have to apologize often. If something we did or said hurt our partner's feelings, we have to validate those feelings. Because if you don't, you're just going to create a lot of disharmony in your relationship. Like relationships get a lot easier when we can validate each other's feelings. It just makes things easier. And I think that we have to just kind of step outside of our egos and do things that just make connection and relationship easier. We're all very, very complex. We also all have patterns. We have emotional patterns. We have patterns to our thinking. We have patterns of behavior that is usually born out of the emotional pattern. And some of these patterns are not great for a relationship. And oftentimes, more often, and I would like to admit, I mean, honestly, it's just the truth. People are projecting their emotional patterns and their stuff onto their partner and making it all about them being the problem, we have to be responsible for our emotional patterns. And that requires a lot of self-awareness. It requires a lot of self-inquiry. And it requires a lot of maturity. So whatever is not working for you in a relationship or whatever is not working for you in your love life, You have to just ask yourself, what is my pattern and how might it be playing a role in whatever is not working right now? Instead of saying, how am I the problem? Because I, you know, I know that's a very popular thing to say right now. And I know that's also part of a Taylor Swift song, but it's not that we are the problem. It's the pattern that we have that's a problem. 
And we have to be able to ask that of ourselves. It's really incredibly important. And then, you know, part of being accountable is being able to apologize, stepping outside of our egos. I'm sorry that what I said hurt you. I'm sorry I hurt you. Not, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I'm sorry that in that moment, I was completely, my nervous system and my mind and my my soul was completely hijacked by an old story that has to do with my mom. And I, in that moment, that was like my 10-year-old self terrified and I made it your problem. And then the magic is, and the other person forgiving that. You see, we can be so much more forgiving when we can just own our stuff because we're going to make a lot of mistakes in a relationship. We're going to act like a child once in a while. We're going to cling to certainty. We're going to be afraid. And so don't expect that not to happen. Expect it to happen. And when it does, take prompt responsibility. That's all I'm saying. Take prompt responsibility and then forgive. I work with so many people who have low self-esteem and tolerate a lot of BS in relationships. And to those people, I'm always saying be less forgiving. So I know it can be difficult to kind of decipher, but let's just say that's not you we do have to learn to be more forgiving. Like being in a relationship means we're going to have to apologize and forgive a lot and to leave room for making mistakes. We will unconsciously hurt each other's feelings a lot. Like no one is perfect. And sometimes we can be very selfish. But if we can own our stuff and when we can really reward someone for owning their stuff, That's where the magic is. This episode is brought to you by Miracle Made. Your temperature when you sleep is one of the most important parts of a good night's sleep. If you wake up too hot in the middle of the night, you are going to have a hard time going back to sleep. If you wake up too cold, that's also going to impact your sleep. So if you struggle to have just good temperature regulation and stay asleep soundly all night, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. They're inspired by NASA and they use silver infused fabrics and make temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night, which is just amazing. I hate being too hot when I sleep. And also regular bed sheets have a lot of bacteria. When you wake up and like you notice like that new pimple or you have allergies or stuffy nose, a lot of times that can come from the bacteria that's in your bed sheets, which is totally gross. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. So it also has self-cooling properties for better sleep. It's self-cleaning. And by the way, it's actually really, really luxurious and high quality without the high price tag of luxury brands. And it can feel as nice, if not nicer than the bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. So go to 
dot com slash Jillian to try Miracle Made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40% off. And if you use our promo Jillian at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. By the way, Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you aren't hundred percent satisfied, you'll get a full refund. And that's amazing business model. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash Jillian and use the code Jillian to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash Jillian to treat yourself. Number five, one of my biggest missions is to help people, particularly women, just because I see this pattern more in women, but doesn't mean that it's not men too. But it's particularly women to break free of the societal norms and conditioning that has convinced them that their value is determined by being, quote unquote, waiting to be chosen. Because of this largely cultural hypnosis, I have seen countless people, specifically women, but not only at all, trying to be chosen by those who they know could never add value to their lives. Or even if they think maybe they're trying to be chosen by the someone who could add value to their lives, but for whatever reason, that person's not choosing them. But it's even worse. They're waiting to be chosen by someone who's totally wrong for them because it's like that big ego prize is being chosen. And wanting, by the way, to be chosen by those who would actually add a burden to their lives. Additionally, because of the obsession with being chosen, people are expecting their love interests or partners to move mountains for them when really that very person who they want so badly to be chosen by has too large of a mountain to move within themselves to be able to show up for them. And so, yes, wanting to be chosen in general is a mission that I'm trying to get people to stop to see that like you are someone like you have to choose each other and you have to be someone who chooses and you need to learn how to choose wisely. My biggest trigger for this is, and I don't mean trigger in the way that it's so used colloquially now, it's the biggest thing that just sort of triggers action inside of me is seeing so many people wanting to be chosen by someone who is just not capable of being in a relationship, don't have the capacity. I'm not saying they're never going to be capable, but they're just certainly not capable of it the time that they're dating this person. Love is not rational. And it really is a big mind, F-U-C-K, when we love someone with whom we do not feel that safe with or who we trust or even respect. And when we try to keep a relationship going with someone we love, but who we don't really feel respected by or even feel like we can respect or trust them, it becomes like an addiction. And then we start to play games with ourselves. The game being, let me do everything I can, even if it's manipulative, even if it's immature, to be chosen. And that addiction to being chosen is an addiction to certainty. It's like, I want to be safe. I want to make sure that I am number one. I want to make sure that, you know, I have the validation. And it's not good. 
And it's like, we try to shape shift to be chosen. We say things like, if you really love me, then you would. We say things like, you know, we try to act like we're all assertive, but then we just keep tolerating the BS. Or we're just simply chasing love and trying to be good enough for someone. And it's just a big waste of energy. And like I said, it really is a cultural hypnosis where we've been conditioned to believe that our values determined by being chosen by someone who we've projected onto them as this sort of ideal. And the moment you make the shift and say, I choose as much as being chosen. I choose. And maybe, just maybe, the people who I have been wanting to be chosen by are actually not that great for me. So maybe I need to reevaluate how I choose partners. Maybe I need to reevaluate my priorities when it comes to the personality traits of someone my priorities in terms of what it is that I find attractive in another person. It's just such a big story. It's like, oh, they're not choosing me then. They're not choosing me. It's got nothing to, most of the time, it's not always, but some, you know, sometimes it's like, oh yeah, they're not choosing you because they don't share the same feelings for you. But a lot of times they're not choosing you because, I don't know, maybe you two are not getting along. Why would anyone want to take a relationship to the next level, let's say it's dating, right? To the next level. If you're fighting a bunch, you shouldn't want to take a relationship to the next level of commitment if you're not getting along and it's the first you know, few months of knowing each other. So we play these games with ourselves. Oh, I want to be chosen. I want to be chosen. I want to be chosen by the person who I barely know. And by the way, we don't even really get along and we're not that compatible. So I'm going to put all my worth in this person's hands and I need to be validated by this person. And I'm not seeing clearly right now because I have made my significance more important than actually having a healthy connection with someone. So a lot to think about. And I would say, you know, you can put this into action right away. You can put this into action if you are in a relationship and you have to really determine what is hardship versus suffering and maybe change your mindset around that and around repair. Maybe you're in a situation where, you know, you're putting all this stock and spark, but you're not realizing that character is more important. Like the chemistry gets you there, but stop trying to understand it and stop trying to put so much stock in it just because you have chemistry with someone. Get to try to get underneath the hood of the car and get to see their character and then, you know, you put this into action by changing the way you're seeing change and growth. The pop psychology zeitgeist right now is all grow, 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 grow. And then now we're being hypnotized, like work on yourself, be in therapy, constant. And it's creating this sort of self-obsession. Why not grow and change by learning something new and stepping outside your comfort zone? You can put this into action by being accountable for something that maybe you haven't been accountable for apologizing, for forgiving, and then choosing yourself instead of just waiting to be chosen by someone else. Validate yourself. Keep reminding yourself that 
It's really just your ego. It's part of your conditioning. You got to give it a lot of pushback and you got to give your ego a little bit of pushback. Anyway, that is today's episode. Five of the most profound lessons that I've learned about love and relationship. And if there is anyone that you know who could benefit from this, even if it was just one thing, please hit the share button because you just never know whose life you could be changing. And if you feel called to it, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And if you want to write a review, that would be wonderful. It keeps the podcast alive. If you have any requests for topics, I'm always taking requests. I love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us at hello at jillianonlove.com. And like I said, share this far and wide if you think that this could help someone. And until next time, grateful for you and thanks for listening. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts.